Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsteig. This is Sirius XM Progress, and welcome to it. For the next three hours, we're coming at you with facts, empathy, music, and something approaching comedy. We will bring you to the verge of entertainment. Think of us as being sort of like cable news, except we listen to you, and you are always the most important guest on our show. It's a special day. Happy birthday to a couple of friends of this show. Happy birthday to Academy Award winner Mary Steenburgen. And happy birthday to the great Nick Nolte, who is 82 years old today. It's also the 91st birthday of John Williams. And my God, Jack Lemmon would have been 98 years old today. And it is the 81st birthday of Mr. Robert Klein. A lot of good people. Let's do a damn show. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer, Thea Harper, our associate producer. They are helping us run this thing from South Carolina and Brooklyn, respectfully. I come to you from Manhattan, and we just had a great day. Christoph Waltz really showed up. Chris, he he really made it. He came. I went down to the Howard Stern Tower this afternoon. He was there. It was insanely great. Uh, It's very rare that I walk into an interview with the exact high amount of excitement and enthusiasm and um, uh, concern bordering on dread. Because I've seen him do interviews where he can be rather dismissive of dumb questions. He doesn't really have a lot of patience for people saying, so why are you so good at playing bad guys? Wow, this is quite a conversation. It's deep. It's fun. You're going to love it. And uh, we're also going to be recording an interview with Congresswoman Ilhan Omar this week as well. You can see me along with a friend of the show, Showtime's uh, Carol Montgomery, the twisted genius behind the specials Funny Women of a Certain Age, this Sunday performing a storytelling show at Caveat in New York City. That's, of course, if you're in the New York City area and you're not into the Super Bowl, which is actually quite probable. I'm someone who, as I've said before, it's always an awkward day for me because I, I, I hate football, but I, I love head injuries. So I, I, I never know what to do. We got a great hump day for you tonight. Our own Bob Seska 
uh, of the Bob Seska Show. Pundit extraordinaire will join us. Comedy Eddie Keith Price is here in hour number three to slay fools. So let's get to it. Um, we have a really fun one tonight. We're so glad you're with us. We thank you all if you chose to listen to the show last night. It was really a blast, and I thank all the guests who joined us. It was quite a night, and as always, we're really glad to have your calls. You remain our most important guest. And I'm talking to you, the ones who listen but never call, nod your head a lot, but you never call in. I, you're the ones I want to hear from. I mean, really, if you're the kind of guy or kind of lady who thinks about calling in or I'm sorry, lady, uh, women, women, women with a Y. I'm being as left as I, I'm very feminist. I am. I I'm very feminist. I leave the seat down in the men's room. I'm so feminist. Um, but if you're one of those who listens to the show and thinks uh, I'm not going to call in, not for me, why not surprise yourself and give us your thoughts on last night's State of the Union? Let's do it. Joe Biden entered a chamber full of people last night who have publicly and privately talked a lot about how can an 80-year-old man with a stutter run for re-election. Biden walked into that room with a lot more strategy than I might have realized. And Biden's big bet is that America wants something resembling a return to normal. Biden's <laughs> real plan is to cast himself as the role of normal. Now, I'm sure the White House knew before he even showed up at the Capitol Rotunda that what he was walking into was going to be the Republican Party's white trash burning man. And that's what it was. But Biden seems to know, I think, that one of his greatest strengths, especially at age 80, is that, come on, man, they're going to underestimate him. He came out and did a speech that boasted about low unemployment, all the bipartisan accomplishments he's achieved, bringing back manufacturing to the company, the resilience of our economy that recovered all the millions of jobs we lost during the pandemic and how we're going to gain millions more because we spent $2 trillion in high-tech green energy and infrastructure investments that he made happen. And he's midway through the speech when a Republican lawmaker did something that used to be a problem for Republican lawmakers to do way back in the olden days of 2009, called him a liar. And it would be America's sweetheart, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She was the first one. After Kevin McCarthy promised for weeks that he was going to make everyone behave, she was the first one to display, well, that trademark lack of impulse control. And I've come to think over the course of today that Biden knew exactly what he was doing. He seems to have baited the Republicans into flipping out by telling the truth that Republicans, some Republicans, not all, want to privatize or sunset programs like Social Security and Medicare. You heard it. The outbursts, the laughter, the screams, the jeers. They were here. It was like the comment section came to life and they all rose in cacophonous voice to shout down this president. And it blew up in their face. And that's the name of uh, this little rant. And it blew up in their face because Biden turned the tables on them and he argued with them in real time. And it seemed like we were witnessing the really unexpected, inspiring start of a reelection campaign. Because keep in mind, these Republicans always blow it. They go too far on the meanness. They live in a bubble. They listen to each other. They get high on their own supply. They live in a right wing comment section. And then reality shuts him down. Newt Gingrich shut the government down. They killed him for it. George W. Bush tried to privatize Social Security and Medicare. They wouldn't let him. Paul, Paul Ryan and John Boehner did anything they could do to privatize Social Security and Medicare. 
So the Republicans were all shouting back, no, no, we've never wanted to cut Social Security, Medicare. And, and Biden just said, I'm glad to see. No, I tell you, I enjoy conversion. And he brought up the fact, without naming Ron Johnson and Rick Scott, that some of them did want to do it. We played the clips last night. Here's Joe Biden today commenting on last night's Republican heckling as he called them out on their desire to gut our social safety net. They sure didn't like me calling them on it. Look, a lot of Republicans, their dream is to cut Social Security Medicare. Well, let me just say this. It's your dream, but I'm going to my veto pen make it a nightmare. But here's... But here's actually the good news. There's a lot of good Republicans. I found it interesting that when I called them out on that last night, it sounded like they agreed to take these cuts off the table. Remember I said, no, I'm serious. Remember what I said? I said, so, so you're not going to cut it, huh? No. I said, okay, we got a deal. Well, I sure hope that's true. I'll believe it when I see it and their budgets laid down with their cuts they're proposing. But it looks like we negotiated a deal last night on the floor of the House of Representatives. <laughs> Seriously, you see them all standing up saying, we're not going to cut anything. He did it. He suckered them. He got them. He rope-a-doped them into cheering for not cutting Social Security and Medicare. Good luck. It was a bad night for the GOP. They were shouting. They were screaming. Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't, I don't know what she was wearing. It looked like the inbred conjoined twin of Cruella DeVille. Kevin McCarthy was trying to shush Marge. Mitt Romney was slapping down George Santos. Now contrast that with Joe Biden's compassionate, calm, and smiling grandpa ad for liberal policies and values, for banning assault weapons, codifying Roe v. Wade, raising taxes on the obscenely rich. I'm sorry, it was an FDR speech. It was just laying waste to Clinton-era neoliberalism. You know, he said capitalism without competition is not capitalism. It's extortion. It's exploitation. Biden had more fun last night on stage than Ron DeSantis will have at any debate he ever does. And he looked like he was having fun. And did you notice he he barely even mentioned China? He never said the word balloon. He just he referenced he said, as we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country. And we did. So the speech ended and then came Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Part two of. And it blew up in their face because after Joe Biden's calm appeals to bipartisanship, working together to help working Americans, the Republican Party chose Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders to give their response. And did I mention it blew up in their face after all the nice Biden bipartisanship? Come on. Why are you yelling at me? Let's let's good. We're going to protect Social Security, Medicare. Good. She came on and showed all the hatred America was tired of by Election Day 2020. Ridiculed Joe Biden as unfit to serve as commander-in-chief. She attacked it LGBTQ rights. She attacked it critical race theory. She talked about the woke mob, whatever that is. Remember, when they say woke mob, what they mean is anti-racist people. That's what they mean. It's not to call them racist, but they are more mad at people who are anti-racism than they are at racists. That's the Republican way. And if you don't believe me, check any of their Twitter feeds. I can guarantee you everyone, every person who talks about wokeness or the woke mob criticized Colin Kaepernick's knee a lot more than they ever criticized Derek Chauvin's knee. And the Republican Party must have thought the youngest governor in the country would be a contrast with the oldest president. 
except she was so nasty and petulant that she said exactly that. I'm the youngest governor and he's the oldest president. Because apparently this Republican Party no longer needs senior citizens to vote for them. It was all the ugliness and meanness that the majority of independent and moderate voters happily rejected in 2018 and 2020 and last October's midterms. It also this is the interesting part. Her speech contained uh, one line that probably didn't get the reaction she was hoping. Here's a clip of Sarah Huckabee Sanders explaining to you what the choice is. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Upon taking office just a few weeks ago, I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools. (laughs) You can't ban racism in our schools. How can you ban? You can ban hate speech, but you can't ban what's in people's hearts. No, no, no. When Sarah Huckabee Sanders or the modern right wing talk about racism, they're talking about making white people feel bad about slavery which they think happens if you teach the history of slavery and institutionalized racism. That's the essence of Ron DeSantis's ridiculous stop woke law in Florida, that you can sue any school if any teacher says anything true about our history that makes a white kid feel bad. That's the kind of racism that they're worried about. And it's not actually what racism is if you have access to a dictionary. The choice is between normal and crazy. This after Marjorie Taylor Greene jumping around in her fur vest like Cruella DeVille's conjoined twin. And a lot of people agreed. I mean, not just in the way she was expecting, because the Republican Party had shown so much to show the crazy. George Santos, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, And by the way, uh, right-wingers didn't like it either. Lou Dobbs flipped out because she told this whole story about going with Donald Trump to visit the troops in Iraq on Christmas, except she never said the words Donald and or Trump. Didn't mention him. Didn't mention him. And it made the fascists flip out. Lou Dobbs was on uh, Steve Bannon's show today. I know, right? You missed it. Can you believe it? Lou Dobbs was sitting down with Steve Bannon and us losers forgot. He said it was unacceptable and an insult to President Trump for not mentioning his name. And Bannon, who's been convicted on two federal criminal contempt charges, he said, oh, it's an insult to Trump. She does not exist politically if it's not for President Trump. I thought the speech was terrible. They tried to bring in Sarah Huckabee Sanders to rebut Biden. And it blew up in their face. Which brings us to today. The House oversight hearing on Twitter and Hunter Biden's widow laptop. The House Republicans thought they could erase the memory of last night with the Twitter hearing that's going to focus on what they said was Twitter's suppression of an October 2020 New York Post story. And the article was about Hunter Biden's laptop, which allegedly contained business correspondence and sexually explicit pictures and videos and notes from meetings, et cetera, et cetera. These are the same bumbling crew of miscreants that held more than 30 hearings on Benghazi and found nothing. Hillary Clinton's emails and found nothing. The Ground Zero Mosque. We could go on, right? You get where I'm going with this? Hunter Biden's laptop and how Twitter persecuted them at the direction of Democrats. It was their big moment to steal the thunder away from last night's State of the Union and reframe the narrative. And oh, my God, did it blow up in their face. It was nine Death Stars blowing up in their face and a star killer base. It kind of went in a different direction because the former Twitter employees were revealing that it was actually Donald Trump 
who kept asking the company to take down tweets that were critical of him. And Twitter actually changed their own rules for Trump. Seems that the Trump administration was doing exactly what Republicans were accusing the Biden administration of doing, interfering to try to persuade big tech to remove information they didn't like. Now, the Twitter executive said it was a mistake to limit the information on the New York Post. They thought it was Russian disinformation. And after 24 hours, they reinstated it. It was all internal. There was no government wrongdoing. And again, morons. Donald Trump was the president in 2020. Twitter never suppressed that story at the behest of the government. And they said after reviewing the New York Post reporting, it didn't seem to violate their policy. So they reinstated it. That's it. That's what this epic fucking shit fit is about. All the lies of the Twitter files have been debunked. The whole thing was a hoax to justify making Twitter much more right wing. Guys, it kept on blowing up in their face. I just it was like they were all running for deputy of Mayberry. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to interrupt and it blows up in her face. Recollection is that the Congresswoman repeatedly violated Twitter's policies about sharing misinformation about COVID-19. She received multiple written warnings about that conduct. She received multiple timeouts related to that conduct. And then ultimately, consistent with the written and published policy, those repeated violations resulted in her account being yeah, permanently we're suspended. Talking. Uh, so Mr. It, Chairman, so in essence, I'd like to uh, take a point uh, of personal privilege. Uh, that, now listen to it's this. still my time. We, we'll stop. We'll stop. It's still my clock. It's point still of my order, time. Mr. Chairman. Um, the point of order. There's Jamie Raskin, Raskin leaning in. Yeah, I, um, I don't believe that members of this committee have the right to interrupt someone's testimony because their point name was Point of personal privilege. And, you were mentioning my name, Mr. Raskin. You no, know, I understand, but that's not the rule, Ms. Green. I don't think that, a member... That is the rule in, in Congress. Well, uh, then I'd like, a, I'd, take a point I'd like of the parliamentarian to rule on whether any member of this committee has the right to interrupt a witness's testimony because they mentioned the name of a member of Congress. You mentioned my name, Mr. Raskin. Yeah, I'm not testifying. <laughs> oh, no. Chair recognizes Ms. Green. Thank you. Mr. For your Chair. point of privilege. Thank, Listen to very briefly. Thank you. Um, uh, for Mr. Roth, who, who made you in charge of what is true uh, and what is uh, not true? Uh, and they shut her down. We'll, right does away. she get to reopen her no, question? No, that, that we'll, we'll, we'll go back to her own party Gomez, shut her down. Mr. Gomez, please remember the, the decorum of the committee. Uh, the <laughs> clock will restart the clock now. We, you didn't lose any time. Chair recognized Mr. Gomez. I'm sorry. I'm praying Marge becomes Donald Trump's running mate in 2024 because she is his equal match in terms of impulse control. And it just got better. Jim Jordan. Here's Jim Jordan backhandedly admitting that they've been lying about all of it and that private corporations can't actually take away your First Amendment rights. Listen to this. It's five seconds long. He reveals the whole thing. And to Mr. Raskin's point that you guys aren't bound by the First Amendment because you're a private company. Okay, maybe so. But then, folks, then came the beautiful part. Are you are you ready? You, you might want to bring your children in. Bring your family. You have elderly loved ones because this is important. This is this is this is the pussy ass bitch part of the rant tonight. Former Twitter employee and whistleblower Anika Collier Navaroli. She actually was the one who said it was the Trump White House who intervened and asked Twitter to remove contents. And the Biden White House has never asked once. Donald Trump asked them to take down a tweet by model Chrissy Teigen. That was rather critical of uh, Mr. Trump. Now, guys, it's early to say that this is the soundbite of the year, but it's asked by Maxwell Frost, who is the first Gen Z member of Congress. And I just want you to sit back and gather around loved ones and give a listen. Miss uh, uh, Nervoli, earlier you testified about a 2019 tweet um, that was about President Trump. And I think it was from uh, Miss Teigen. What was the tweet about? 
Would you like me to give the direct quote? Yeah. Um, please excuse my language. This is a direct quote, but Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. Okay. Free speech. And what happened after Ms. Teigen posted her tweet? What did the White House do? What did the Trump White House do? From my understanding, the White House reached out to ask that this tweet be removed. It was my team's uh, job. Uh, this fell underneath the policy for abusive behaviors. And we evaluated underneath our insults policy. At that time, oh, yeah? up to three insults were allowed. And so it was our job to determine how many insults were included so the, within that phrase. So the Trump White House reached out, not an agency, but the White House reached out and requested that you remove the, the tweet. From my understanding, yes. Okay. So again, they, they realized that pussy ass bitch counts as three separate insults. And that was their threshold. That was their policy. It did not violate standards. But what we do know is your government contacted a private social media company early in the morning on September 9th, 2019, and wanted a private citizen's tweet to be taken down because the president didn't like the names he was being called. And the best part about all of this is not how it kept blowing up in their face. It's not how we all owe Jim Jordan a debt of thanks for keeping these hearings going. The best part is that now Donald Trump being called a pussy ass bitch has officially been entered into your federal congressional record for the ages. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is SiriusXM Progress. We are celebrating the birthdays of friends of this show, Nick Nolte, Mary Steenburgen. We're celebrating that Christoph Waltz actually showed up and did our show today. We're going to air that very soon. Ilhan Omar is showing up tomorrow to do a pre-tape. And we're celebrating a pleasantly surprising State of the Union address last night. Really quick, as we're also talking about today's uh, House committee hearings on Twitter and Hunter Biden's laptop. Really quick, here's future president Katie Porter worried that this whole oversight committee will somehow begin to emulate the very thing it investigates. Free for all healthscape. That's what now CEO Elon Musk said Twitter would become if the platform became a place where anyone could say anything with no consequences. It is unbelievable to me that I am quoting Elon Musk, but that is how ridiculous this hearing has become. The Oversight Committee, like Twitter, or any other social media company for that matter, cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything goes. 
but free-for-all hellscape sums up the GOP members on the committee as well as last night's white trash burning man uh, confronting Joe Biden. Um, And by the way, Katie Porter, at least Republicans care about freedom, unless you're a woman or a trans person. Bob Seska is the host of The Bob Seska Show. I fell in love with Bob through his columns in Salon, his appearances on Stephanie Miller. Uh, This man has scored more than LeBron James did last night. Bob Seska does one of the best political podcasts you can listen to, and we are blessed to have him join us every hump day. Bob, happy post-State of the Union to you. Welcome back. Uh, Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, um, those hearings today, it's been a solid, what, 24, 48 hours of Republicans humiliating themselves. Just walking That's, into their own propellers over and over again. I mean, first, that was the, the at, Twitter first, yeah. first at the State of the Union address, uh, then Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, that's that. That's a great choice for the rebuttal. The kids will like her. She's young. That'll get young people on our side. And hey, Carrie Lake's going to loan her a background filter. It'll be great. And then, of course, the Hunter Biden hearings today. Hunter Biden being uh, an old English term for Benghazi. And uh, yeah. yeah. It's just they they keep on shooting themselves in the foot. And you know what? I'm ready for two more years of it. This party, Bob, is so dumb. Paste tells its children not to eat Republicans. (laughs) Yeah. uh, One member of Congress at least walked into the why did you delete these tweets uh, trap, which Mm -hmm. it was then clarified. Well, these tweets all contain Hunter Biden dick pics. That's why we took them down. Revenge porn. Good job. I'm so glad that that's on the congressional record now, aren't you? I'm so relieved that the the phrase Hunter Biden dick pics have now entered the congressional lexicon thanks to the Republican Party. Yeah, but Bob, you have to remember, thanks to today's hearings, uh, Donald Trump is a pussy ass bitch has now been entered into the federal congressional record (laughs) for all posterity. That's permanent that you can't erase it it's there i mean historians will get to read that someday and we have jim jordan to thank for it jim jordan who still doesn't understand what the first amendment is what how freedom of speech is protected in this country not from corporations but from the government is specifically what the intent was and it's right there very clear language did you hear him admit that he did, though? Did you hear the clip where he admitted that he got it? Oh, yeah. Do we still have? Okay. Right. Yeah. Where he, he said, well, you, you say you say that a private corporation can't do it. And that's true. But he literally said the the truth part out loud and undermined yeah. the entire reason for these hearings. And, and if I may, I just want to play a really one more quick clip for you. This sure. is um, James Comer essentially explaining that this Republican Party is going to fight for the things that matter to hardworking Americans meaning social media witch hunts. Listen to Comer. Many social media platforms are under the control of people who are hostile to the fundamental American principles of free speech and expression protected in the U.S. Constitution. We've witnessed big tech autocrats wield their unchecked power to suppress the speech of Americans to promote their preferred political opinions. Twitter was once one of these platforms until Elon Musk purchased the company a few months ago. Mr. Musk has pledged to end censorship that goes beyond the law. He has pledged to allow Americans' voices be heard, not quashed. In this hearing, we will examine the actions taken by Twitter prior to Mr. Musk's ownership. Many of these actions were carried out by the witnesses before us today. Prior to Mr. Musk's takeover of the company, Twitter aggressively suppressed conservative elected officials, journalists, and activists. This includes shadow banning, locking accounts, and banning accounts altogether. No. In fact, Twitter's previous management team deplatformed and suppressed not just conservative voices, but anyone whose opinion strayed from what they deemed no. acceptable. 
lying about elections or plagues. That's what got people banned from Twitter. And Marjorie Taylor right. Greene and Lauren Boebert couldn't stop from airing their own personal grievances and talking about their own freaking Twitter accounts. These people are mm-hmm. children, Bob, and they had their asses handed to them by an 80-year-old man with a stutter last night. Yeah. And and look, uh, I'm coming from this perspective where I feel as though social media so far has become a failed experiment. And I think Twitter is a big uh, contributing factor there. But let's be realistic about what's going on or what was going on pre Elon at Twitter, which is really what's at issue here. And that is that frequently all the social media platforms will throttle your reach They will cap how many people actually see what you post. Who knows how? Who knows why? It has something to do with the algorithm. That's just the way it is. It's frustrating. There's no uh, rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. That often happens. This whole shadow banning business, this is just Republicans playing the liberal media bias game again. But but it's about algorithms, but it's not about the First Amendment at all. Right. Exactly right. Right. And and so uh, consequently, what they're spending a lot of time doing is taking ordinary things that happen on social media and exaggerating them into capital crimes that must be investigated. You know, look, if you engage in a violent invasion and occupation of Congress with the specific intent, by the way, to disrupt the presidential election, to appoint Donald Trump president, to stage a coup, then then you don't get to if you're violating terms of service on a social media platform, they have every right, every justification to ban you from that platform. Exactly. And so what and naturally, the Republicans are playing the who me game here. Oh, what are, what do we do? We, we didn't do anything wrong. Why are we getting banned? Well, read the news. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the no shirt no shoes policy if 7-eleven has a sign saying no shirt no shoes no service and you come in like you do uh ingest your jeans and they tell you to leave they have Mm -hmm. not silenced you a private corporation has said you're violating their terms of service you're still free to scream any ignorant shit you want from truth social or 7-eleven's parking lot no one has been silenced and this entire hearing it is all based on a gamble that Right-wing white people don't understand how the First Amendment works. That's right. That's right. And look, if they're going to waste time investigating the social media platforms about you know how mean they were to Republicans or how they suppressed the Hunter Biden story or whatever, you know what they really need to do is not make this necessarily about partisanship, not necessarily about going after Republicans or going after Democrats. It has to be about what the social media platforms are doing to exploit and take advantage of users who are now basically everybody. Everybody's on in in some way, shape or form is on a social media platform, at least one. And so there are a lot of things going on on those platforms that require, I think, congressional investigations, the continued disinformation, the data mining that continues. There's so many social media platforms that are set up, not explicitly, but in a backdoor way, to collect your data and exploit your data. See also TikTok and China. So these are things that absolutely require hearings and some form of accountability. But instead, Mm -hmm. the Republicans are turning this into, why are you so mean to me, Twitter? Stop being mean and suppressing dick pics from Hunter Biden. Why, oh, why? Oh, my God, the whining. 
Unbelievable. The American people have a right to see Hunter Biden's dick pics. That's what freedom's all about. You, you pregnant <laughs> women right. are going to have to bear your rapist. Yeah, pregnant women, you're going to have to be, carry and bear your rapist child. And you trans people have got to live a lie. But we're about freedom here. And, and that's a Hunter small Biden's government. dick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's take it back to last night, Bob. I, 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 I've spent all day wondering, did Joe Biden plan it to go that way? Did he know exactly how these petulant children with no impulse control would behave and play right up to it? Because... I was very cynical yesterday going into this thing saying Biden's going to treat this as being his campaign 2024 launch. And boy, he sure did. But he did it so well and so interestingly and yeah. did what I always what I always praise Joe Biden for. He knows how to draw a contrast between what he stands for and the other guy stands for. Last night, he had two dozen fascists helping him make his point. That's <laughs> exactly right. It's a great way to put it, too. Last night, Joe Biden made history with that moment about social security and medicare never seen anything like that happen in american politics ever before especially at the presidential level doesn't matter whether it's a state of the union address an inaugural or just some random remarks at a ribbon cutting ceremony somewhere no president has ever owned every single member of the republican caucus that's senators and members of congress alike uh all at once and on national television live and that's, that's what Joe Biden did. The amazing thing about that, John, is not only did he basically end the negotiations, at least with regard to Social Security and Medicare and how it applies to the national debt. But what he did was, uh, in addition to shutting all of that down, he disproved every single attack line that Fox News and the Red Hat Entertainment Complex has been using against him since the very beginning, which is that he's old, he's doddering, he's got dementia, That's he's right. not he is unaware of where he is or what he's doing. Well, guess what? This old doddering, dementia suffering man just completely do tricked rabbit season, duck season, every member of the Republican <laughs> Congress into agreeing to protect Social Security and Medicare and within, what, seven days of them entirely voting to condemn the idea of socialism in Congress. That's right. That's something that Joe Biden did. And so anyone who today is still playing this ridiculous ageism game with Joe Biden, they need to start rethinking their attack lines because that flew right out the window last night. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think in many ways, the whole idea of the speech was, you know, the, this White House reads what everyone says. They read the surveys where people are terrified of Biden's age. And he had a lot of goals. One of them, I think, was to make his own party more comfortable with the idea of him continuing to run the party in 2024. And he showed yeah. he knew how to bait the right, completely bait the right. And it completely worked. And then I got to say, you know, if I left that speech last night thinking, wow, Joe Biden still wants to be FDR. It was all David and Goliath. It was all about, as he said, my economic plan is about investing in places and people that have been forgotten. Bob, I ran out of the policy specifics he was fighting for last night from, you know, Wi-Fi for everyone. I mean, protecting uh, Social Security, vetoing any abortion plan, making a new standard requiring any construction materials for federal infrastructure projects that will have to be made in America. I, I thought it was one of the best and most specific states of the union speech I've ever heard. Yeah. And I think we make a mistake when we often look for the next uh, ask not what your country can do for you, which is an inaugural, but regardless, or, yeah. you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We're always looking for those lines. What's going to be the next great oratory in the State of the Union? And last night, maybe he didn't do it at, at that kind of poetic level. Right. But in terms of just raw 
uh, uh, like raw dog politics. That's what Joe Biden did. And you can't buy that kind of experience. That only that kind of experience, the way he played the Republican Congress last night comes mm-hmm. from a man who spent the last 50 plus years as a member of the United States Senate and then as vice president and now as president. He knows how to push all the buttons. That's and it. so and and look, I, I mean, John, I'm coming from this place where throughout the 2020 campaign, I was on the edge of my seat about Joe Biden. Like, we're putting Joe Biden up against the Trump machine. Are we really doing this? And then headlines would appear. Joe Biden's eye appears to fill with blood and just all these (laughs) terrible stories. Like he's on the verge of death and he's, he's just the gaffes and everything. And you know what? All of that is wrong. So many of us, including myself, made the mistake of underestimating Joe that's Biden. I, that's how I began the show. I've talked about the Republicans underestimating him, but damn it, liberals underestimate him. I keep yeah. underestimating him. And it's really nice to keep having these pleasant surprises. When he came mm-hmm. out and said nearly 25% of our country's debt was added under my predecessor, and they booed him. He said, mm-hmm. like, Congress respond? They lifted the debt ceiling three times. They paid America's bills yeah. tonight. I'm asking this Congress to follow suit. And they booed him for facts. And the mm-hmm. fact that they booed him made it that much more likely that people will look that up and find out, oh, my God, it's true. We've been around for 250 years accumulating debt and one quarter of it came from the fat Fuhrer. Exactly. And and bear in mind, too, it wasn't just what happened in the House chamber last night and then the post-speech commentary on cable news. We've had an entire day now. We've had an entire news cycle where everyone's talking about Rick Scott and Mike Lee proposing That's this right. five-year sunset That's of right. every single federal law, which is exactly what Joe Biden was talking about last night. So and funny. to think that a Republican Congress or a Congress that even has a minority of Republicans in it would (laughs) renew every single federal law every five years, including Social Security and Medicare. Again, I go back to what I said a second ago, which is that this is a party that voted to condemn socialism. And so, you know, fuck us for wanting to be concerned about, you know, the Republicans cutting Social Security after doing that. Kevin McCarthy's level of common sense is his greatest weakness with these people, because if they'd listened to him, if they'd listened to him and kept their mouth shut, no one would be talking about it today. Mm-hmm. But because of the well, tantrum, that's the other th- everyone, every media outlet has been playing the clips of Rick Scott and, and Ron Johnson talking about <laughs> sunsetting Social Security. Medicare. Like everyone knows now. It's beautiful. Yes. And it's on. It's a clip from Fox News with John Roberts, which yeah, makes it even cool. better. We yeah. played it last night before the show was done. Bob, I've only got you for a couple minutes. Really quick, i sure. got to ask you the million-dollar question. Uh, the Grammys, like most <laughs> Americans, I didn't see it this year. Why are they freaking out? Because, I mean, the, the pop art, pop artists exist to freak out the straights and old people. Going back, jazz, the blues, every, vlog, every art form tries to freak out the middle-aged straights. Is that what happened? <laughs> I heard a lot of white people talking about Satan after the Grammys. Yeah. I got to tell you, John, the modern Republican Party, the modern conservative movement, the modern religious fundamentalists in this country, the red hat entertainment complex, they are lightweights. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you rewind to the the devil imagery of the 1980s, where you had Ozzy Osbourne album covers, Dio album covers, Iron Maiden right. album covers, right. and lyrics to go along with it. And they're worried about a guy in a red top hat with little like stick on Amazon.com devil horns. This is what they're this is what they're freaking out about. Oh my God, the devil worshiping musicians. We're back to the PMRC thing again from the 1980s. We need to bring back D. Snyder to put that whole thing down. But <laughs> the degree to which they will exaggerate this nothing performance into the next big culture war scandal is just utterly baffling to me. And again, they don't they haven't seen anything until they go back to the 1980s when there were some real devil worshiping musicians. <laughs> Bob, it's such a pleasure to see you. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your many doings? Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to change it up a little bit and say, follow me on Instagram. Instagram, uh, my handle is the Bob Seska. So you can find that there. And also you can uh, follow my podcast, patreon.com slash Bob Seska show. Last question. Did you have a favorite performance or winner at the Grammys? I didn't watch the Grammys, John. <laughs> 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 I haven't watched the I don't think I've watched the Grammys in 30 years. Uh, it's just yeah. one of those things. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gone since. Well, I used to get paid to go and now I'm not going to watch it for free. <laughs> Bob, it's such a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, Thank right. you so much for joining Take us care, for making sense of all this. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, it's going to be your calls at 866-997-4748. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's go to your calls. You guys have been waiting on hold for a long time, and we sure do thank you for it. Tim in Ohio, welcome and thank you. Tim, hey, are you there? Tim in Chicago. Oh, Tim in Chicago, forgive me. Hello. No, nope. sorry, Tim. You have to move now. I'm sorry. He's right. I got it wrong, and now you're bound to SiriusXM. You read your contract, right? Did you Did you agree to the terms and services? Did you click that box when you got SiriusXM? You have to move. Look, you're going to love well, Akron. Yeah. Akron's, Akron's great. Good foliage. You know, decent seafood, considering it's landlocked. What's on your mind? Oh, yeah, from sparkling waters of Lake Erie, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just uh, want to say... First of all, can we start having a really serious conversation about there actually being some requirements, any requirements to serve in Congress? You know, maybe just pass the U.S. citizenship test or an IQ test or third grade. You know, I don't I don't I don't think that congressmen should have to pass a citizenship or an IQ test, but I do think they should have to take one on live TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of wet dreams, uh, I would love to see a Raskin and Porter kick it in our lifetime. And To see who kick it? I'm sorry? To see who kick it? A, uh, a Porter and a Raskin kick it. What does that mean? Oh, a Porter. I thought you said kick it. I'm sorry. They're ticket. No, no, no. I would no, love, no. I would love to see that as well. Katie Porter, <laughs> presidential campaign ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would love to see it. And I don't care who's on the top of the ticket and who's on the bottom. They're both just so exactly. compassionate. They care so much about Republican people and they fight for Republican people and everyone else all the time. Well, it's like, you you know, said, the only- like, like the X-Men, they fight for people who hate them. This is what I say, you know, they, this is, liberals have to understand, you are the X-Men, and you might have to watch the first movie mm-hmm. to remind yourself, but they, they call you mutants, you're actually more evolved, and what no, you're watch- doing is fighting for the people who are afraid of you. That's what liberals well, do. Yeah, watch the first, uh, watch the first episode in the cartoon series in the 90s, that's all you need. Mm, I never saw that, but I thought the movie did it pretty oh. well, too. Ah, uh, well... The series did it better. But anyway, uh, one thing I did want to talk about, as we discussed last time uh, with Joe Biden, what I think people get wrong. And I don't think it's the ageism that you keep talking about, because it, it, it that would make sense in a world without Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is the same age, if not older than Biden. And mm-hmm. he is remarkably popular with young people of, of yes. all demographics. I think what people really don't like about Biden when they say, yeah, he's too old, it's not so much his chronological age as it is that he still thinks he's kind of still operating in a world where the Republican Party is sane. And when he calls, yeah. you know, Mitch McConnell, his his best friend uh, or, you know, a good person, and people are just, you know, hitting themselves in the forehead saying, were you around during Obama's presidency? Yes, he was. But you know why he's doing that. Joe Biden's running for office and he's not trying to get the liberal vote with it. He is trying to get the moderate independent vote. And that's what the Republican Party can't focus on. You're not going to win the presidency unless you can get moderate white people to vote for you. And liberals don't want to hear this, but it's why Joe Biden was always the safer choice from the beginning for the Democratic Party. So the Republican Party, you know, they're not trying to get anybody who's not already hardcore right wing Tucker Carlson feeding facts like a baby bird into your mouth. They're marginalizing themselves. Joe Biden's just casting a wider net. It makes me crazy. I want to see him be more like Bernie, but he's 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 got a formula and I think he might work. Yeah, but here's the thing I think a lot of people get or they don't quite understand or appreciate about independent voters as well. I mean, people hear, oh, you got to get the independents. So they automatically think, oh, those are people that are in the middle. That's not necessarily true. Independents are people that just don't like either party for whatever reason. They may think that the Republicans are not far right enough. They may think Mm -hmm. the Democrats are not far left enough. I think instead of trying to focus on what, you know, group of voters, quote unquote, whatever think tank is telling you you should focus on, just look at the polls you know, take it with a massive grain of salt, of course, but Maybe. I think it's it's pretty common sense when you say, okay, what do people all want? They want money out of politics. Okay, that, that's pretty No, common. they don't all want that. They don't know. The most, most people don't even think about that. Well, I think if you ask Again, them, you know, those, those of us who watch the news and follow this stuff are much more focused on it. You know this. You have plenty of coworkers and loved ones and friends who just don't follow the news the way a lot of us do on the left and right. And I'm an independent and I'm, I'm not a Democrat because they're not left because they're not left enough for me. And I never saw a reason to join the party. And, and I, you know, there's a lot of people like that. But again, most independents or moderates, I would assume, are people who just don't follow it as closely as uh, those others of us do. Well, I would agree with that. But I think also if you just you look at the topics that are really, you know, everyone's talking about here's what the bread and butter issues are. Run on the bread and butter issues. Run on 
cheaper health care, run on cheaper schooling, run on uh, bringing uh, costs yeah. down. As, and, as he said, I think, uh, and I think that's what Biden was doing last night. I mean, exactly. Biden was running last night work. on health care. You're right. He was running mm-hmm. on expanded Wi-Fi and running on health care and student loan debt forgiveness. And today the Republicans were running on uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and Twitter doesn't like Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, no, I but, you know, the point is, is that, you know, if he just keeps focusing on that and not so much, you know, worrying about what the Republican Party cares about and makes it mm-hmm. more uh, vocal and is, you know, makes it more visible, then I think that will you know, serve him miles, because I guarantee you, you know, while people are worried about, oh, Biden's not testing well or polling well, if you're up against, you know, Trump or DeSantis or let alone, you know, I don't know who other, what other candidate could come along, but people would definitely vote for Biden again, given that choice. I agree. I think people would like a a fresh voice, but uh, I don't think they want a new direction. And again, Biden um, is counting on that they would vote for an 82-year-old Joe Biden because the alternative will be so mm -hmm. evil. The alternative will be so unpleasant and so inflexible. And Joe Biden's going to be there fighting for everyone and just talking about, like what he talked about last night, really popular solutions for American problems that the majority of Americans support. I thought it was a smart, a politically smart speech. Yeah, no, as as Bob Seska said, and I agree, he keeps keeps surprising us because people keep underestimating him. And that's... That's a darn near good advantage to have. But uh, right on. one last uh, interesting uh, topic that I would like to broach with you and your Please. listeners. And if uh, I listened to one of your interviews with, uh, you know, one of your great interviews with, uh, I forget, I apologize, forget his name, but he was an author of, uh, you know, kind of a, the new civil war. He had him back in January. Um, mm-hmm. But the new civil war about certain states seceding and stuff along those lines. Might have been Remember Jared Yates Sexton. I'm not sure, but. Okay, Stephen Marsh. Um, well, okay. he talked about yeah, he talked about California possibly you know being a likely candidate of of seceding and, and yes. as well as Texas. And I thought you you hit the head or the nail on the head pretty well and said yeah, okay, Texas, uh, pay back all the federal money you borrowed and you can't take NASA <laughs> with you. By the way, yeah. um, but, but I think a lot of people forget about when uh, it comes to state any state seceding is that our state borders as we know them today are incredibly out of date. And back in 2013, I was researching something else, and I came across this hypothetical map of the U.S. that was put together by a geography professor at Mansfield University. And it was the U.S. as it would exist if every single statehood movement that had ever existed, no matter how far long, how you know, much of a pie-in-the-sky idea was, if every statehood movement that had ever existed in this country's history had succeeded, right. how many states do you think we would have? I, have, I don't know. 124. Okay. But I think I think this is a conversation that I think, you know, because, you know, the D.C. statehood movement it, it, and, the, and the Puerto Rico statehood movement, they always get, you know, certain momentum, you know, breaks here and there. But I think it's something we should really have a more thorough discussion about. Because I'll take my state of Illinois, not Ohio, but Ohio could probably fall into this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, you know, North Illinois, where I live in Chicago, is drastically different than Central Illinois. And North Illinois is amazingly different than South Illinois. And I don't know how a governor of any state, you know, can hold together that kind of dichotomy of population, industry, and agricultural centers, because there are certain balances that they got to strike. They're just darn near impossible. And I think that's why the BS uh, tagline of small government, you know, actually carries some water in more rustic uh, states that, you know, tend to go Republican because, you, know, you have these ranchers and these farmers and these other landowners that are being told by some, you know, in their words, you know, fat cat in some city 100 miles away from, you know, the ground circumstances they face every day. 
yeah, they get pretty surly about that. Like, you don't know what's going on. It's like if I work yeah. at, a, at a franchise, you know, uh, establishment, and I'm in a branch and some regional manager from corporate comes in that I've never seen. He's never set foot in the store. And he says, okay, now you got to do your TPS reports like that, not knowing that he's just added four hours to my work day and my employee's work day. I mean, that's probably where that stems. And I mean, I think if we start to talk about, you know, cutting up states that in more, you know, homogenous ways, so therefore people feel more represented. I mean, we'll have to add a couple, uh, you know, additions onto the, onto the Capitol, but fine. Good. Do I it. mean, I, I listen, I, I get where you're coming from. I'll remind you that 90% of Americans support having uh, stronger background checks on firearm purchases and they still can't get it passed with 90% mm -hmm. of America supporting it. So I, I like yeah. the idea in theory, and I do think there's a very good chance we will see D.C. and Puerto Rico become states in our lifetimes. Those that those movements aren't going to end. But, I mean, it's mm -hmm. a fascinating proposition. I just uh, I can't imagine the yeah. organizational skills and money being spent to get this many conservatives and liberals on the same page to divvy up our states and have 100 plus. Yeah, no, I'd settle I mean, for I'd settle for I'd settle for five more Supreme Court justices. Right. No, I mean, and uh, I think the, you know, the main uh, plus from, you know, just more representation is that it mitigates or I'm sorry. Uh, well, yeah, I guess mitigates, you know, the more, you know, just selfish, you know, Kristen Sinema's Joe Manchin's and Mitch McConnell's of the world. Just kind of yes, like sir. an expanded Supreme Court would do the same. Always a pleasure, John. Really. Tim, what a pleasure. Thank you. Very thoughtful. You, you, you certainly brought some topics I hadn't planned on thinking about today, but I will. I really do appreciate it. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. People of Earth, whether you like it or not, the time has come to bring back comedian, actor, writer, radio star extraordinaire. Keith Price was the first openly gay black radio host at Sirius XM. He co-anchored the morning show on the legendary breakthrough channel OutQ. Be sure to do your soul a favor and get his wonderful Broadway podcast, Keith Price's Curtain Call. If it's late night Wednesday, it's time for our comedy daddy, Keith Price. Welcome back, sir. Hello, hello, hello. Good, good evening, all of you. Hi. How are you doing? How are I'm you, very John? Good, you look Keith. fabulous. How are you? I am well, exhausted you. Kind of you with life, but I'm still here. Oh, hang on. 
I, I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, yeah. But we, by the way, we're on Zoom. That's why Keith can say I look fabulous on the radio. I, I do appreciate that. Keith. Thank you so much. How are you? You look, you look fabulous as well as long as we're on the radio. Oh, What's going on? I'm holding, I'm holding myself together. So I'm just a little tired with life right now, like everybody, I think. But I'm just, I'm just, you know, in a, it's a good feeling place. I don't know what that. I don't feel super sad right now. You know what I mean? Like, like life is stressing yeah. me out, but I don't feel sad about it. Whereas two weeks ago when you were talking to me, it was just like, oh, what was me and my life is a hot mess. But it doesn't feel that same way anymore. And so I'm just, I'm trying to live in that glow. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, in the glow. that's life, isn't it? You know, right. But that's, that's life. There's no absolute valued status for, for life. And, the the good events of today can very easily lead to the bad events of tomorrow can very easily lead to the good events of next week and you know i i think happiness i think happiness is like sorrow it is transient it will come and it will leave you but i i do think if you work at it you can find a level of peace and i'd rather you know i used to think it was about being happy now as i get older i think no if you can be at peace then you can handle the sad times and appreciate uh, the joyful times and not make yourself miserable trying to to hang on to them. We we tend to try to right. hang on to the happiness like you're trying to pin down a cloud and it doesn't work that way. No. So I completely understand that. I'm I'm glad you're on the upswing. Yeah, for, and it's kind of nice. It's like, ooh, this is, it's like maybe it's the moon or something. I don't know, but I'm feeling very, you know, to the world. So I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's a day. I I don't think I'll put my head in the oven today. Oh, hey, rent's due. Yeah, I, I'm with you completely. No. I, I know. I know no. why you feel better, Keith. I know. I know why you feel better because there's no more giant why? Chinese spy balloon uh, over our country. There's no more. <laughs> Isn't that the the most exciting thing ever to hear? And the way that the world reacted, and then when you found out that oh, there were other balloons that happened that weren't shot down when. Uh, Trump was in office. All of a sudden, the conversation mm-hmm. about the balloons just kind of went away. You notice that? Oh my God! It's not as big can of I, a can deal. I, can I play you a quick clip from from today? Sure. This is Brigadier. Exactly what you just said. This is Brigadier General Pat Ryder. He gave an update in D.C. today on what apparently has been a very long history of Chinese surveillance balloons. I had no idea. So what we know is that over uh, the last several years, to include time before, uh, during the previous administration, uh, subsequent analysis determined that that objects that had traversed over uh, the United States, uh, although not for the duration of this fifth balloon, uh, were ultimately determined to be um, PRC surveillance balloons. And the four previous balloons, they all happened during the last administration? Um, three during the last administration, one during the Biden administration, at the beginning of the Biden administration. So this is the second balloon mm-hmm. during the Biden administration. Correct. Boom. There you go. Mm-hmm. Three under Trump in black and white. And again, Keith, I, I, you know, the Republicans have had two positions on this, that Biden was weak and showed the world how weak we are by letting this balloon be over our country for so many days mm-hmm. instead of shooting it down. And... Biden is a violent hothead who's going to start World War Three because he shot it down. And most Republicans share both views at the same fucking time. (laughs) 
because it's easy when you're a duplicitous human being you can do those things like you can hold on to two of those at the same time that's that's part of being duplicitous you know what i mean like they just <laughs> they have it down man it's sort of like you know i i don't this whole thing with the balloon i find just so fascinating because again this is something that we as a country never even had to think about generally speaking because it was either being handled or being surveyed by our own country without us having to be involved you know what i'm saying like yeah. this is something that the fbi and them would have dealt with you know what i mean it would have yeah. been like an area 51 kind of thing like <laughs> we know that we know that they're doing something we just don't know exactly what it is you know and this is what the situation has been and right. now because of these yahoos that we have in this office this is the kind of shit that's being rolled out and it's something that i'd love to point out uh, what have the republican party as far as the majority that's been in the house what exactly have they been doing since they've now figured out who their leader was going to be and what kind of committees that they're going to put people on because we haven't seen anything come Keith, out of they're that. going after they're going after the woke mob what are you talking about they're fighting the woke mob they're fighting wokeness in all its many woke forms, Keith. That's yeah. that's a real legislative agenda, and they're and, and they're fighting critical race theory and Hunter Biden's mm-hmm. laptop. So I don't know what I don't know what planet you're living on, man. But you got to watch my Fox, <laughs> and you know. It's like so. This this is what we're enduring, and so it's like I just I'm just so tired of them. I'm so tired of them, and it's like you know yeah. to hear Mitt Romney today finally say something about George Santos is admirable at least. But it's not, again, him and his cohort should have said something about this guy the minute that they found out this information about him, which, mm-hmm. as you and I both know, was circulating long before it became fodder for the news. Like, it was people were talking about this back in Long Island, and nobody addressed it, nobody looked at it, nobody thought about questioning it. And certainly since then, they've now managed to unfold all of this evidence and all of this story and the drag queen history. And, like, and now there's some guy saying he, he touched him. So, like, there's there's all this stuff going on. And now Mitt Romney has the balls to say, you know, this guy is really just a terrible choice. He shouldn't be here. He shouldn't be. It's like, really, Mother Scratcher? Really? Yeah, he's going to. Welcome gonna to go the party. Out, you, you go out on the limb. You're going to go out on the limb. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, you can always <laughs> count on Mitt Romney to say the right thing uh, a, a couple of years too late. But he'll show up. And he makes Mitt Romney last night made me long for the days when Republicans, conservatives, when they were just wrong. Don't you miss the days when conservatives were kind of they were nice enough people who just happened to be wrong about everything, not crazy, batshit, ignorant racists who are also wrong about everything. Nice Mm -hmm. conservative people who just happened to be wrong about everything. Oh, Mitt Romney brings me back to a bygone era. He is. He's the last of the breed. He's he is it. You know, you know it makes me and crazy. maybe that's the reason why he doesn't say anything so much because he's he knows he's the lone wolf and it's just too much pressure for him. Who knows? I mean, he's got the job security, I think. But what I've been saying to people who I've talked with who said, oh, Biden was weak. He should have shot it down. I'm like, OK, so he shoots down this thing that weighs a couple thousand pounds. You've got up to a 20 square mile debris field. Um would exactly. a 100 pound piece this? of metal falling through the roof of a preschool be acceptable to you? You know, what kind of buildings would a 100-pound piece of metal crashing through be acceptable? I mean, 
It's just, it's just Biden showed how to do it last night in the speech. If your whole thing is about antagonism and hate, then, then you're going to turn everyone off. Yeah. Resist evil. If you think something's evil, resist the policy. But you know, it's like, I don't hate Donald Trump. I want, I want him to become a better person, but I don't wish suffering on him. And again, what Biden did last night was come out and say, Hey folks, I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to give up on you guys. I know we can work together. We can cap the price of insulin. We can do all this stuff. And they all went, nah. and he goes, okay. And then you bring on Sarah Huckabee Sanders and he goes, nah. Now, what's the average voter who doesn't pay attention to this news that much going to remember? The nice old guy talking about solutions or the shitty white people going, nah, I think, you know, (laughs) the Republicans are auditioning to have people who already vote for them vote for them. Exactly. So uh, but again, the mere fact that they have created like a little cottage industry for themselves on on the basis of all these sound bites, you you know, they know how to get those donor dollars to fund all this craziness that is them and yeah. put them in front of us and put them in places of uh, making policy or in this case, in inha- you know, inhibiting policy. Right. Like that's what they're there to do. It's like, I, I just, I just don't know how much longer the system can continue to foster this, I'm still yeah. trying to work with you. I'm still going to work with you. I mean, he has yeah. no choice but to say that because that's the situation that he's in now with this slim majority that's on that side. So he has to say that. My yeah. thing is, I wouldn't waste my breath saying it and be like, listen, you you know, we have the, the Senate's going to block all your foolishness. So if you're going to spend all of your time and energy creating this chaos and creating nonsense so that you can, you know, look to be reelected or look to, to jockey to become the next presidential candidate. If you're going to be right. doing that with your time and energy, well, we're going to stop that on the higher level, but let us know. We're going to make sure that the whole world sees that this is what you're doing and how you're behaving and hopefully Boom. make some change that pretty, you know what I'm saying? Like that's because, there's no other way. Like you're going to have to let the simple people understand that what these people that they've thought about voting for truly don't have their best interests at heart. And That's it's exactly like, right. you know, they've, they're not giving you your insulin. They're messing with your social security. You know, they're trying to, keep they're voting against healthcare. Beyonce at the Grammys. They're voting against Beyonce at the Grammys. You know, <laughs> exactly, they're wearing white after you know, labor. They're just, they're awful people. They're a Keith, mess. We, they're a we mess. have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, our evil army of the night on hold. Are you ready to take some calls? I'm ready for him, darling. We go to Paula in Illinois. We got a lot of calls this hour. Hi, Paula. You're on with Keith Price. Hi. Hi, both of you. Um, Hi. Getting on to your last caller, um, Mm -hmm. I was talking to you about this. I have been thinking throughout the day listening to this Twitter issue. Yeah. Isn't that what they're accusing Twitter of? Isn't exactly what Fox News and MSNBC do when, especially Fox News, when they cut off the person they're interviewing or they laugh over what they're talking about, you know, I mean, or not invite the other sides onto their programs to listen to what the other side has to say about an issue. Yeah, I think you're right. And in all those cases, none of those acts are censorship. They might be rude. They might be cowardly. They might deprive the audience of hearing all sides of an issue. But you're not actually denying anyone the right to say or express themselves uh, about anything. Um, Only the government can do that. Private companies can't do it. If Fox won't let you say it, then you can go on another channel and say it. 
Yeah, so they're accusing Twitter of doing this. Well, I mean, I know they were exactly. saying, well, somebody up in the government was... And well, who, I mean, it's it's stupid. It's stupid for three. And Fox it, and telling them not to do. Excuse me for Yeah, no, it's okay, but it's incredibly stupid of them for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't understand the First Amendment. Number two, they're claiming that you know they were being banned by the government, putting pressure on Twitter in 2020. But the government was headed by Donald Trump in right, 2020. Right, right. Yeah. So again, there's so many layers of dumb here. It's like uh, an <laughs> onion of malfeasance and <laughs> dope. <laughs> Layers of you, and, and by the way, I am one of those old folks that used to sit outside of a record store and get tickets. So nice, me too. Oh, work. Right. I work. used to camp. I, I've camped outside overnight outside record stores to get tickets back mm-hmm. in the glory days yeah. of Ticketmaster. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call tonight. Thank you so much for making it. Don't be a stranger. Come back and see us again. 866-997-4748. Let's go to Dave in Connecticut. Hey, Dave, what's up? You're on with Keith. Brother John, brother John, got it going on. Got the uh, <laughs> thing and airwave gongs. He's got Keith Price in the mix tonight. That's when I love calling in because the laughing is bright. I don't like it. I love Aww. it. Yeah. Should yep, night. It's yep, on the phone with a six album deal for you on death row for that. Yeah. <laughs> only only if Dre is running it. I don't want no part of Suge Knight. But I can flip that line and say when, when Keith Price is in the mix tonight, that's when I love calling in because the smiles are so bright. Either way, it works. It's all good. Aww. We have I the brightest smiles at all of radio. I can, I can <laughs> feel it all the way up here in the woods, man. Believe me. Believe me. So when Thea asks me, David, what's on your mind tonight? The first thing that I say is, well, I was just due for a call in to give everybody a hug because you guys are so appreciated. All of you. you Thank you. Aww. Chris, Thea, and the side projects that Thea's doing and all of you do together. and and Oh, we're all going to be asking Thea for a job in five years. Thea is doing so many side hustles, Uh, and Thea is such a great producer. We're all going to be asking her to be her interns at some point. For real, man. It's it's, it's a beautiful community to be a part of, and I know I speak for countless people in Radioland when I say this is an anchor of goodness. Uh, five days a week for us, bro. Thank you. And you're you are much loved and appreciated. So thank you. That's very kind. I I, I look forward to being a part of this community as well. If I ever see any of them in person again, I, I see Thea once a week if I'm lucky. That's as good as it gets for me. Oh, you, you know, part of what part of what gets me giggling, bro. One of the million things that you say that gives me the giggles is when you uh, you talk about the kids on the on the. Uh, what do you say? You talk about the girls from The Shining dancing around the halls and the kids. Oh, the yeah. On, on Monday nights, Keith. I mean, Keith, some Monday night, you should come in and join me and Thea for two hours in the empty, haunted Sirius XM studios. Because it's two little girl twins appearing and asking me to play with them. And it's a kid in a big wheel riding yeah. through the hall. Are you, guys, is are you still empty. in Studio 21? Yes, we are. Ooh, ooh, the most ow, haunted of all ooh. studios. Yeah, the exactly. most, it's, it's, it's very haunted. I, I I know who haunts it, too. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's very, Ooh, I mean, it it used to be like, at least there'd be like a couple of rappers and their girlfriends around. Like, you'd meet some cool people there late at night. <laughs> it's just us, man. And in L.A., and the, can I, can I, I shouldn't talk about, we have beautiful studios in Los Angeles, but. <laughs> really, the most beautiful studios. They're so beautiful. I mean, they're, they're, people are saying they're the most beautiful studios I've ever seen. Um, but I can't do this show there because we're still pandemic staffed. And so getting people to stay late, because over there I work six to nine and, and we can't do it yet. So it's like we're still coming back in many ways. Oh, wow. Well, maybe I will. 
I may have some time soon. <laughs> come on in. Some, I, 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 Monday, Monday night's not a big know. theater night. You can come in Monday night if you ever want to play. Look this, at me trying to attempt to scary halls, so. <laughs> <laughs> The yeah, haunted of, halls of serious. Oh, you, I don't want you to have any. I don't want you to have any bad flashbacks to back when Dave Rubin was still liberal and still gay, before he became Tucker's pet homosexual. <laughs> Dave, you're you're an uncommon gentleman. I thank you so much for your kind words, and I, I accept your 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 mercy compliments. I, I wallow in your pity, and I thank you for it. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, man, I got Is... I know I know we got to keep it short tonight. I got a quick quote for you that I know you'll appreciate. Hit me. All right, it came across my radar, and I retweeted it and reposted it. it it's it's short and sweet. Some people use the word woke as if it's supposed to be an insult, but mostly they use it because they cannot spell empathetic educated or enlightened oh man i love wow. you tweet that and tag us in it we'll share it all right i love all right, you. Yes. On, brother all right thank you, you so folks. much have a great thank night you. take care babe a lot of love in this room tonight gonna get some that of it on wonderful you. let's go we, we there's nice people listen to this show i don't i don't know how i, I, I don't know why <laughs> it's gotta be thea lars in minneapolis thanks for your patience what did you think of the speech last night man it was fantastic I yeah. I love that he took it to him on Social Security and Medicare. I mean that that was the highlight for me. I, me too. I just, that and insulin. That that and not you know gouging yeah. sick people for insulin. That was nice. Yeah, I mean um, especially with the the bullshit that Mike Lee and Rick Scott have tried to play with those issues. That oh no, you know when they're when they bring it up to them directly. Oh no, we're not about that at all. But it's just like no, your record shows that's what you're about. And the feigned exasperation from Mike Lee when they put the cameras on him and oh no, how dare he say something like that? I know. That's what your whole platform's about. They have you on videotape doing that. I mean, it's so ludicrous. But they're safe. It's never going to be a problem for them because Mike Lee yeah. and uh, Rick Scott and Ron Johnson all know that their voters back home are never going to learn these facts because Fox News and OAN and whatever else they watch are never going to tell them. So they yeah, can they, never, they're they're insulated. Bubble. Yeah, they yeah. know their supporters live in the bubble and they're never going to hear the facts. I mean, that's why they booed facts last night. Joe Biden just said a fact that Donald Trump added 25% of all the debt this country's gotten in almost 250 years, and they booed it. It wasn't an opinion. It was a stone-cold fact. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate your uh, Twitter account. That's one of the things that has kept me on that platform is I really enjoy your daily observations. Thank you. I appreciate that I still have a Twitter account because I keep thinking they're going to throw me (laughs) off every day. Thank you so much for the call. Please call in more often, Lars. It's a real pleasure. And I love Minneapolis. Yeah, we will do. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugelsang. Peace. Peace.